here at BlackRock, we're in the middle of a red letter challenge. Over 2,000 of us are participating in this red letter challenge where uh, we are reading uh, every day for 40 days, uh, devotional. But uh, really, the, the big challenge is putting the words of Jesus, words that appear in red letters uh, in most of our Bibles, uh, putting these words of Jesus into practice. And our challenge for this next week uh, will be putting to practice uh, what Jesus said about forgiveness. Uh, so we're talking about forgiveness today. And this is a subject that is very, couldn't be closer to God's heart. Uh, this is a subject that gets to the very center of why God came in the person of Jesus. You see, in order to have a relationship with me, in order to have a relationship with you, God had to come and break down a wall of separation between us. God needed to forgive us. So Jesus came uh, to earth to pay for our sin on the cross so that one by one by one, we could receive God's gift of forgiveness. And when I receive personally this gift of God's forgiveness in Jesus, a whole new world opens up to me. I have a, a restored relationship with God. I become a child of God. I'm filled with his Holy Spirit who then makes me aware of how I am loved by God, how I am uh, filled with his uh, desire to have a relationship with me. I am embraced by God's welcome, and I am surrounded by God's compassion and his desire for his compassion to radiate through me. Offering the gift of forgiveness is Jesus' mission. It's why he came, and Jesus' mission succeeded. I stand before you as just one who has received the gift of God's forgiveness by personally applying what Jesus did on the cross for me. But sometimes, I'll be honest, the, there's an inner skeptic in me that says, how do you know? How do you know that you are really forgiven by God? How do you know that you're experiencing God's forgiveness who is invisible through Jesus, who to you is invisible. Well, Jesus knew that that kind of question would come up in the minds of his followers. And so Jesus uh, actually made it so that we could not have just you know, a foggy kind of a concept of, of maybe we're forgiven, maybe we're not. No, Jesus gave his people some solid evidence to look for in their lives. According to Jesus, I know I've experienced the forgiveness of the invisible God if I display a spirit of forgiveness to the visible people around me. Jesus taught that there is solid evidence for my forgiven relationship with the invisible God. It's when I live a life that displays mercy toward the guy who was texting and then dented my car, uh, toward the people in my life who uh, are friendly to my face, but I find out that they're gossiping about me behind their back, uh, grace toward my spouse who 
maybe says things at times that uh, hurt me, or my child who doesn't listen to me, or my church friends who are far from perfect. Jesus says that I prove my forgiven relationship with God by the way I forgive the people around me. Jesus teaches this in his famous prayer, right? Uh, It starts, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, but then continues, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus makes a clear connection here between my invisible receiving of God's forgiveness and my visible giving of forgiveness to the people around me. And Jesus makes this clear connection even clearer in the words that he said after this famous prayer. He said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't, it may sound to you like this is a threat, but it is not. Jesus is not laying down a threat. He's lifting up a truth. It's the truth that if I claim to be a child of God, and yet I am one who insists on holding on to grudges, I am one who nurses secret hatred and bitterness, I'm one who gives people a passive-aggressive silent treatment with an unwillingness to resolve conflict in my life. If I'm this person and I claim to be a child of God, according to Jesus, I am fooling myself. Jesus lifts up this truth here in his prayer in Matthew 6 because it's an elaboration of what he said in Matthew 5. Blessed, he said, are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker who makes peace between me and God at the sacrifice of his life. And there is proof, there is proof that I have received this gift of forgiveness. I don't just talk about there's proof that I've actually done it by a forgiving attitude that I have for other people. My commitment to making peace with others is shown, shows that I am a child of my heavenly Father who has made peace with me. Maybe you're listening right now and you realize something. You realize I really don't have this relationship with God. I really have not made peace with God. If that's you, uh, stay tuned a bit later. Uh, You can make peace with God right now. Uh, But first, I need to talk to some other people. I need to talk to the other group of people who are right now hearing a whisper from a divine voice in their hearts. It's a whisper that says, you are my child but you are not living like one. You are harboring in your heart this anger and bitterness toward other people. You have tattered relationships on the outside, and I'm calling you to not just talk about following me. I'm calling you to follow my radical forgiveness. It's true. Jesus' forgiveness 
It's not easy. It is radical. It is so radical. And yet, so many of us are familiar with Jesus' teaching about forgiveness, and so we, we actually miss the power of what Jesus is calling us to. And so before we look at Jesus' extreme words about forgiveness, I'd like to share with you an extreme example of some people who put it into practice. On October 2nd, 2006, a deranged individual named Charles Roberts entered a one-room schoolhouse, an Amish schoolhouse in Pennsylvania, and he took 10 girls hostage between the ages of 6 and 13. And over the course of an hour, Roberts systematically shot eight of those 10 hostages. Five of the girls he shot fatally, and then after all this senseless carnage, he turned the gun on himself. When they were first taken hostage, the girls asked their attacker why he was doing this. And Roberts talked about years of pain and anger and how much he hated God. And that's when the oldest of the girls in that one-room schoolhouse, Marion Fisher, 13 years old, said to Roberts, and I quote, shoot me first. Let the other ones loose. Well, this disturbed man did shoot Marion fatally and killed her. But he was not done killing and so Marion's younger sister, 11-year-old Barbie, said, shoot me second. Barbie was also shot, but she survived along with three others and told the story of what happened in this schoolhouse. And the world wanted to hear everything that happened there because of this brutality in the schoolhouse, but also their hearts were captured by the the beauty that happened outside the schoolhouse. Because from the very start, the church leaders reacted with both tears of grief, but also quotations from Jesus and his radical forgiveness. Not only did this community talk about the forgiveness of Jesus, but they began acting on the radical words of forgiveness of Jesus. While they were burying five little girls and while three others were recuperating in the hospital, these Christ-following people started doing something amazing. They started reaching out with compassion and forgiveness to the killer's family. 30 from this Christ-following community crowded in to attend the shooter's funeral to comfort his wife and his parents they set up a financial fund to provide for the children of the shooter. After the shooting, Amish neighbors uh, spent days comforting the Roberts family. One Christ-following man held the shooter's father in his arms for over an hour, comforting him as this father sobbed and sobbed. The killer's widow, uh, Marie Roberts, wrote an open letter uh, thanking her Christ-following neighbors. This is what she wrote. 
Your love for our family has helped provide the healing we so desperately need. Gifts you've given have touched our hearts in ways no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. And the reaction of those Christ followers to this tragedy was changing the world. The media uh, had trouble processing this radical forgiveness that was being extended to this, this family by these Jesus-following people. The media could only admire it and wonder where it came from. If they'd only listened to the church leaders, they'd know that it all came from Jesus and the radical forgiveness that he taught, which today I'd like to summarize in three principles, which together define what forgiveness uniquely means to Jesus, starting with how forgiveness is to release. When recording Jesus' words about forgiveness, the gospel writers use words from Jesus for forgiveness that mean to release. When Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, it's a call from Jesus to set our captives free. It's release us from our debts as we release our debtors. This is what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means releasing a person from my desire for revenge. Forgiveness means letting go of my anger toward the one who hurt me. Forgiveness means releasing a prisoner. But of course, what God sees is that the one who is most set free in that process is me. I prove that I have been set free from this invisible God's forgiveness as one by one I release my heart prisoners. Every day next week, you are going to be challenged in your red letter challenge to not only read about Jesus' forgiveness, but actually apply it in specific instances in your life, setting some people free, starting with yourself. This week, you'll be encouraged to get beyond generalities and actually set some people free, release them like people who have hurt you in your past or people who bring pain and uh, anger into your life right now. But you know, beyond these worst offenders, could you also turn your attention to your minimum security prison? You have a minimum security prison full of people who have hurt you in far less dramatic ways. If you're like me, you've got a whole cell block of people whose crime is just that they have hurt you by failing you or failing your expectations for the relationship. Who are these people? Well, they tend to be people you know very well and live with the closest. This is your mom. This is your dad, this is your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your closest friends, and of course, your spouse. Listen, I have these expectations too, these expectations of how these people should treat me, what they should say and they should never say, what they should do for me and what they should never do. And when one of these people fail my expectation, it hurts. And so over time, my 
uh, minimum security prison becomes jam-packed with these people who have hurt me by failing to treat me in the way I think that I should be treated. And Jesus is calling me today to set these people free. I need to release my parents. I need to release my kids, my friends, for not measuring up to my expectations of how I expect to be loved or respected or supported or cared for. I need to stop the payback against them with these, these underground forms of impatience and uh, giving the silent treatment, and I need to just set them free. Now, obviously, sometimes the hurt goes much deeper than just unmet expectations. It can be wounds of betrayal and worse, but the principle remains the same. One by one, I need to let them go. Why? Why would I do that? Why would I give them freedom without getting some payback? Because through Jesus, God releases me from all the punishment I deserve. And I prove that I've actually experienced this forgiveness of an invisible God when I release from my grudge grip the visible people in my life. Next, Jesus' second principle is that forgiveness is to bless. And this second principle of Jesus' forgiveness is what makes Jesus' forgiveness historically unique and truly radical. Because releasing is, of course, just giving up payback of giving evil for evil. But Jesus calls me to go way beyond this. Jesus calls me to pay back to my offender blessing. Jesus calls me to pay back with good. This is what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. This is what those Christ followers did in Pennsylvania. They didn't seek retaliation against the shooter's family or against the town or against anybody else. They released their desire for payback of giving evil for evil and instead, they tried to find ways to pay back with good. And I realize some of you are saying, I cannot do that. And I think I know why you say that. It's because we all have a forgiveness continuum, where on one end we have uh, those who have hurt us in the tiniest ways, you know, a critical comment, a snarky email, or on the other end is our worst victimization that we have ever experienced in our lives. And when we say, I can't bless my enemy, I can't bless the person who has hurt me, it's because we immediately go way over here to the most extreme victimization that we have ever experienced. And we say, I can't even be in the same room as that person, much less bless them in some way. And you know what? Jesus understands that. Jesus gets that. Jesus does not call you to be unkind to yourself in the name of being kind to someone who is sick or dangerous or someone who is uh, bent on hurting you more. Jesus is not calling you to expose yourself 
to that kind of abuse. That's why Jesus emphasizes prayer. Jesus concedes that sometimes your safety demands that all you do to bless this worst kind of offender is pray from a distance. But then Jesus says, but wait a minute. What about the whole rest of the continuum? What about these people down here who have just criticized you or maybe said something along the way that injured you in, uh, in very tiny ways? What about all those other cases on the rest of the continuum? You can bless them with maybe a smile, maybe a, an opportunity to have a healing kind of conversation. You can do this. If you are a child of God, you can be a peacemaker who responds to hurt with healing. You can respond to cursing with blessing as a child of God. At least, this is what my friend Mondell has found. My name is Mondel Tika, and I've been coming to Blackrock uh, for the last seven years. Um, it's just been an awesome, awesome church, and um, I love being here. Forgiveness has not always been easy for me, especially um, when I just come into my walk with Christ. And even before that, that was something that was not a word I even spoke of, forgiveness. You know, if somebody wronged me, I want to wrong them back. But in 2017, um, I had a very bitter divorce, and um, I find myself in a very deep uh, state of depression. I found myself in a very deep state of hating, even though I had a relationship with Christ at the time, but the forgiveness was very hard to come by. It took me a while to get out of that. Um, and I remember particularly one day coming home from work and just pulling over on the side of the road and giving it to Christ. I said, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I have already broken your covenant, please help me. And it wasn't something that I had to beg for, but I felt the need that I needed uh, to ask Christ for his forgiveness so that I was uh, able to pass on that forgiveness to my now ex-husband. I remember on the last day on my divorce, when it was going to be finalized, um, my husband wanted to talk to me before we went to court. And one of the things he asked me for was forgiveness, to please forgive him for the wrongs. And I remember asking him also to forgive me because forgiveness goes both ways. It's I wrong someone and someone wrong me. And so I want that forgiveness also. And I think it was important for me to be forgiven so that I am able to move on and receive um, Christ's joy. Because even though I said I was, I forgive him, there were still aspects of me, there were still parts of me that were still bitter for the way he treated me. And so I think the completion of me forgiving and, and he forgiving me kind of completed that circle and I was able to move on and, and have that joy that I have in my heart today and not hold any bitterness because my forgiveness is complete. Wrapping my head around what forgiveness truly means to me is more so than I, I, I truly think about the word love because I think some people say they forgive but it's so passive. But for me, my forgiveness is so active because it comes from Christ forgiving me first and me being able to forgive others. So as I sit here, I don't want to come off like uh, forgiveness is easy. It's like a piece of cake, absolutely not. Um, 
It is one of the hardest aspects of following Christ is forgiveness. When Jesus was asked how many times should we forgive our brothers and sisters, you know, and uh, Peter says, is it 70 times? And the Lord said, no, it's 70 times seven. Um, Jesus knew that we were gonna have to do this continuously, daily. When we forgive, it's a freedom. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. It does not mean you give the person a pass. It just means that you free yourself from holding on to that bitterness. It frees you to allow you to move on. I think we ought to look at ourselves and see that we are broken also and that we're not perfect. And so we would want to be forgiven just the same. So I think for me, it's, it's letting go of the hatred and the dislike but replacing it with love and forgiveness and living better in Christ for it. Thank Mondell for sharing her story of forgiveness. Because uh, we all have a story and uh, God wants to fill your story in your particular situations with his kind of radical forgiveness. And I mentioned that there's a third principle to Jesus' radical forgiveness, and Mundell mentioned it. Forget, forgiveness is to repeat. Forgiveness means release and bless and repeat. Forgiveness is not something we do one and done. Forgiveness is uh, release, bless, repeat. Release, bless, Repeat again and again. You could say it is a cycle. Uh, forgiveness is a cycle that brings increasing freedom and increasing blessing because the more I release others, the more I am set free. The more I bless others, the more I am blessed by God. That's Jesus' promise. Jesus promised, blessed are the peacemakers. You get to choose which cycle you want in your life. A forgiving spirit, which is the upward cycle of increasing freedom and blessing, or an unforgiving spirit, which is this downward cycle of multiplied hurt and bitterness and separation from God and from other people. So Jesus calls me to forgive 70 times seven to repeat, repeat, repeat in the upward cycle where I, I'm constantly forgiving and I'm constantly receiving God's forgiveness. Run into the forgiving arms of your Father, your Heavenly Father. When you need to be forgiven, run to the Father. When you need strength to forgive, to release, and bless, run to your Father. Release, bless, repeat. Let's pray. Thank you for watching Black Rock's Sermon of the Week. We're so glad you found us, and we hope that this message helped you feel more connected to God. In talking about connection, we find that it's super important for people to be connected to others and to a community in order to grow in their faith. So if you're in our area, we want to invite you to join us for one of our services. You can find out more about our times and locations right here on this webpage. And if you're not in the area, don't worry. We encourage you to join a local church where you are. There you find people who can walk alongside you and help you continue to grow in your faith. So we hope that you join us next week and thank you so much for watching.